Whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to be here with us in this place now. We trust that you have kept your promise and are here in our midst. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the difference between a love earned and a love given. And though I tried with every fiber of my being to avoid doing it, I'm going to talk about The Bachelor. (laughs) And specifically, The Bachelor's Rose. And yeah, I know, The Bachelor, can you even illustrate something about something as wonderful as the gospel with something as evil as The Bachelor? Um, To say nothing of the fact that a significant number of seasons of The Bachelor were in fact watched by me. I feel like I'm testing the Lord with this one, though. So we're going to proceed this morning counting on his grace and mercy. Um, But I couldn't help myself. I couldn't get away from it. The illustration is too perfect. So The Bachelor. Uh, It's this reality show in which a single guy dates 20 women who all live in a house together. And he gradually winnows them down to one to whom he's at least theoretically supposed to get engaged At the end of the show, there was a companion show, of course, called The Bachelorette, which worked the exact same way, except it was one woman working her way through 20 guys. Uh, So either way, whichever show you're watching, it's like an enormous talent show slash beauty pageant slash meat market, all soaked in alcohol and hormones. It's depraved. It's also super awkward. And, of course, impossible for anyone to really get to know anyone else for real because everyone is performing all the time. And not only are the suitors performing for the person whose affections they're ostensibly trying to win, but they're also performing for all the millions of people sitting at home gawking at the whole thing. They sing and dance and tell bad jokes. They wear revealing clothing and debase themselves sexually. It's gross. No wonder it's so popular. But if any sort of real personal connection, you know, love, was even possible on The Bachelor, it's completely ruined by the rose. You see, everything on the show is about the roses. There's a rose ceremony at the end of each episode during which each woman is either offered a rose, meaning she can stay on the show, or refused one, meaning she's been eliminated. But that's not all. It actually gets worse than that. From time to time on the show, the guy takes one of the women on a date. And since it's TV, it's always an amazing date. Like, we're going to take a hot air balloon ride to the summit of Mount Everest, where hollow notes are going to put on a private concert just for us. And by the way, if you take out the Mount Everest part, I think that's a date that actually happened on the show. 
the thing about these dates is that at any time during the date, the guy could give the girl a rose, marking her safe for that week and exempt from elimination. Or he could withhold a rose, and she'd have to leave the show immediately. Indeed, the girls literally had to pack their bags before they went on the date. And here's the kicker, and why the illustration is so perfect. The guy always either gave or withheld the rose at the very end of the date, leaving the rose sitting there in plain sight the whole time. Not metaphorically in plain sight. Literally in plain sight. It sits between them on the hot air balloon. It's out on the table during dinner. It's in a little vase during the Hollow Notes concert. And you can see the girl sneaking looks at it the whole time. Because of course she is. The whole time the rose is reminding her that she is auditioning. The whole time reminding her that the love of this guy must be earned. The whole time the rose is asking her a question. Are you good enough? The rose might as well be a guillotine, right? Could you enjoy a date or be yourself if a guillotine was sitting next to you the whole time. Now hope this guy likes you or else... I like to imagine the Apostle Paul on one of these dates. He would be hilarious. See, the girls all run the same strategy. They want the guy to know how qualified for his love they are. They know that they're auditioning. So they attempt to very casually run down their list of accomplishments. You know, they might accidentally bring the conversation around to how she was valedictorian or her time as a Victoria's Secret model or her secret talent juggling chainsaws, but all very passive aggressive and all while repeatedly glancing at the roads. Paul, of course, isn't passive aggressive at all. He doesn't casually do anything. Paul is just plain old aggressive announcing that he's the best. If anyone has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more, he proclaims in his third chapter of the letter to the Philippians. If anyone deserves that rose, it's me. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. The girls on The Bachelor are really hoping that this guy decides that they're the best. Paul is standing up, telling Hall and Oates to pipe down, and just making the announcement that he's the best. He's got the best qualifications, the best talents. But then he says, after running down the list, that there's a problem, a catch. None of it means anything. It's all, well, it's all garbage. See, Paul knew all those years ago, he knew just what those ladies on The Bachelor know internally. He knew what we all know, that as long as a rose is sitting there, as long as love is something that has to be earned or auditioned for, 
that all the qualifications in the world are worthless. The girl is sneaking glances at the rose throughout the date, and it absolutely kills any chance that there is for love. Because a love that must be earned is not love at all. And the problem for us, of course, stems from the identity of the one from whom we are seeking love. Because the love we're really after doesn't come from some Joe Schmo bachelor. Some guy who, yeah, he's attractive enough, but he's easily impressed. Someone swayed by a pretty dress and flirtatious demeanor. Oh, and you know, her mind and great personality, wink, wink. No, that guy is not part of this equation. His love can't satisfy us at the deepest levels of our need. We creatures need the love of our creator. We need the love of God Almighty, who divided land from sea and day from night. Someone in whom the Apostle John reminds us, there is no darkness at all. The perfectly holy lawgiver, that's who's got our rose. And if we've got to perform for it, if we have to have a long enough list of qualifications, then all is lost. We can never be good enough for him. Because for him, only perfection will do. And so Paul reminds us that it is as though all of our accomplishments are worthless, garbage. But Paul has good news for us. He says that something amazing has happened. And to see how amazing it is, I want you to perform a little thought experiment for, with me. Imagine with me now what might happen if the bachelor gave his suitor their rose right at the beginning of their date. A love not earned, but given. How things would change. The pressure is off. The guillotine has been taken away and there would finally be chance for real love to bloom. You could actually enjoy the balloon ride and mountaintop concert. You wouldn't have to wonder if you were being good enough. You would know that you had already been chosen. And so it is with God. In Christ, he chooses us before We've done anything to deserve it. He gives us his love on account of Jesus Christ without our having earned it. St. Paul, this man who can claim so much in the way of qualification, says that he regards it all as rubbish in order that he may gain Christ and be found in him. But why? Because, he says, he can now rely not on a righteousness of his own that comes from obedience to the law, that comes from his qualifications, but he can rely on Christ's own righteousness given to him based on nothing other than faith. He's been chosen in Christ despite himself just for believing. And this changes everything. 
And this is how our God loves. He doesn't love like the bachelor, looking around for someone talented enough, someone beautiful enough, someone lovely enough to deserve his rose. No. Our God chooses sinners and gives them a rose, the righteousness of his own son, and makes them lovely. As Martin Luther so eloquently said it, the love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. The love of God does not find or look for, but creates that which is pleasing to it. Only Christ deserves God's love. Only he has earned it. You and I can only receive it. But by God's grace and Christ's sacrifice, it is yours. As Paul says, the righteousness that you have, it's not yours. It is God's own. But in Christ, it is credited to you. You are regarded by God as though you are righteous. And since God's word is a creative word, let there be light. It actually becomes true. By God's word, you are righteous. God can look at you, you, and say the words that only Jesus has earned. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. In Christ, then, God has given you your rose. And why? Simply because he wanted to. Because he loves you. Not on account of anything you have done or are doing or might do, but because of his mercy poured out on you in Jesus Christ. God loves you because Jesus died for you. And this good news that you have been and are chosen by the creator and redeemer of the world, this good news will change your whole life. Now you can actually live. Now you can enjoy this relationship. You can love the God who loved you first. You can love and serve your neighbor. You can and will do all the things that someone madly in love with a God who is love would do. Because that's you now. You won't do them because you're trying to earn something or auditioning for some role. You'll do them because you have been made new. Remember, you already have the rose. In and on account of Jesus Christ, you have been raised to new life. The you that believed the lie that you had to perform, to audition, to earn God's love, that you has been put to death, taken to the cross with Jesus Christ, buried deep in the grave, and then left there forever. When Jesus rose up, he did bring you with him, but not that you, not the performing you, not the auditioning you, not the earning you, a new you, beloved by God in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, 
Paul preached to the Corinthians. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that's what these next two weeks are all about. Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. This is the creation story of a new you. Christ has died. Christ is risen. In him, you, even you, dead in trespasses and sins, are chosen, raised, and redeemed. A beloved child of God. Amen.